book of Acts, chapter 4. For those of you that may be visiting today, uh, I'm not the pastor. I'm a pastor. Uh, Brother Gary is our senior pastor, and uh, he'll be back next Sunday, but he's going on a mission trip, and uh, I have the privilege of filling in and preaching this Sunday morning. In the book of Acts, the title of the message this morning is that it spread no further among the people. If you'll look at chapter 4 and verse 17 in the book of Acts, uh, the title I just gave you was the King James Version. Mine is a little bit different. It says, in order that it may not spread any further among the people, but that it spread no further among the people. And as we attempt to share the Word of God with you here this morning, let me assure you that I'm convinced there's nothing the devil wants more than to stop the spread of the gospel. And I want to share some things with you out of the book of Acts this morning about how the gospel began to spread and then what the world's reaction was to it and then what the church done in order that the gospel would continue to spread. Because if you are like me, and look around, even look, when I look in the mirror, it's sad to say, I believe the devil is accomplishing his purpose in America. I believe that we have lost our evangelistic zeal. I believe we have lost our boldness. I believe we have lost our focus and our mission. And I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm saying that because we need to be re-energized. We need to be refocused. Even in my own life, friend, the devil wants to stop one thing, and that is the good news that Jesus Christ saves. He wants it to spread no further, that it spread no further among the people. Now look with me in Acts chapter 4, and we'll read some for context. Chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain and the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they lay hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came about on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power, or in what name, have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence or the boldness of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man whom, who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to go aside out of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? 
For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. May we pray. Father, today I ask that you would once again show us the marvel of Calvary that we serve a resurrected Savior, that He is alive today, that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus, that this world lies in darkness, and that everybody that has not accepted Jesus Christ is lost, but you do not desire that. Father, it was your desire before the foundation of the world, according to your word, that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed in every single nation. God, grip us again that when the world says, do not say it anymore, may it drive our resolve from now on that we will never stop sharing Christ. What else can we do? What else have we been put here for? God, this is your word. This is your plan. Glorify Jesus Christ at this time, and we ask it in His name. Amen. This book of Acts is a very unique book. I'm not going to give you a whole summary of the Bible. We'd be here too long. But all the prophets, basically, all the Old Testament point to Jesus Christ. Then you have the Gospels that are telling about the life of Jesus Christ, giving evidence to who Jesus Christ is. After the book of Acts, you see letters being written to the church, addressing certain doctrinal issues, how the church ought to do this, what's going on in the church, certain things about doctrine and certain belief. And then you have the final finale, the wrap-up in the very end, the book of Revelations, that tells us how everything's going to finally unfold and what's going to happen. But right there is this very unique book, the book of Acts. It's a book of history. And it is like no other book in the Bible that shows us evangelism in action. If you'll look in the very first chapter of Acts, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but it's basically an introduction to the book of Acts as Luke tells what he's going to be writing about. And you see Jesus Christ fixing to ascend up into heaven, and you see the disciples fixing to wait for the day of Pentecost. And, he, and they said, well, when's the, when's the kingdom coming? He says, it's not for you to know the ages or the epics, but it says, go ye into all the world, preaching the gospel. And really, that is the summary, or not the summary, but really the topic of what the, all the book, what's going to happen in the rest of the book of Acts. You're going to see what it looked like. Jesus Christ foretold for all the Old Testament. Jesus Christ appearing in four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who he is, the validity of who he is, and then the rest of the things after Acts. But in Acts, we see the gospel taking place. We see the church born. We see the promise fulfilled that the Holy Spirit comes upon man and what happens when God redeems a man the Holy Spirit comes upon man God energizes his church and the church is to go out and spread the gospel And so in the book of Acts, we have chapter 1 as an introduction. We have chapter 2, Pentecost, the church receiving the Holy Spirit in power. And then you have 
Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 2 and many people being saved. And then you have Acts chapter 3, which is the precursor to what is happening here in Acts chapter 4 and in chapter 3. We have the lame man by the gate called Beautiful and they walk up and he's healed. And it's a miraculous miracle. God had this plan just for a specific purpose. And his, this lame man was healed. Everybody knew he was lame. He goes in praising God. A great crowd comes together. Peter preaches his second term sermon in the book of Acts and there he preaches Jesus Christ and a multitude of people again are saved and it stirs up the people. When we find ourselves in chapter 4 where our text is at today, we see the church alive and vibrant and proclaiming and for the first time in the history of the church, we find out what happens when the church wakes up and what happens when the church wakes up is the devil comes against it. And chapter 4 is our first historical example and recording of what happened when the church is the church and people are being saved and then the world stands up and says, don't say this anymore. We cannot say this anymore. What is causing this reaction? Well, number one, if you look in chapter 4 and verse 2, what were the disciples doing that caused this reaction? It says 4 verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus Christ the resurrection from the dead. Friends, is that's not what separates us from every, every other non-religion on the face of the earth. There's not but one person that was the Son of God and he was Jesus Christ. There's not that one man that's ever come out of the grave. There's not one man that ever offered hope to mankind and it was Jesus Christ. And they said, you've got to stop preaching this, friend. You cannot be preaching that this man come out of the grave, that you can put your faith and trust in him and you can escape death. You cannot be preaching that. They were preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They are upset because there's power in the name of Jesus. Look in chapter 3 and verse 6. And this, just as we lay this out, I'm going to go through some of these rather quickly. In chapter 3 and verse 6, is the beginning of Peter meeting with the lame man. And he told him, gold and silver have I none. Most of you know the story. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And 3 and verse 16, when the crowd come together and they said, what in the world is going on here? They, they let them know immediately it is in the name, that through faith in the name of Jesus Christ that this man has been made strong. In chapter 4 and verse 10, when the rulers want to know what in the world is going on, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you, whole friend. There is power in the name of Jesus, and this world cannot stand it. The only thing it can do is to get us to be quiet. If we just won't be quiet, if we'll just keep spreading the word, the power is not in us. It is in the name of Jesus. If we will just be brave and continue to share Jesus Christ with the nations, with our friends. The next thing they're upset about is because there's salvation in the name. Look in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. He had already preached his sermon. And Peter told them, 
when they had been pricked in their heart, what do we need to do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call friends. There's salvation in the name of Jesus and no other. And we're going to get to that last point, so I'm not going to tarry there. They're upset because Peter's seeker-sensitive sermons. Now, that's a joke. (laughs) Peter didn't preach any seeker-sensitive sermons. The problem in the church today, friends, is we are preaching seeker-sensitive sermons. Let me read you the sermon that Peter preached, and you decide if it's seeker-sensitive or if it's a bold proclamation of the truth. Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2, his first sermon in verse 22, and said, "'You men of Israel, hear these words.'" Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Don't sound like he's trying to make any friends. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be taken hold of it. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And I just read what Peter told them a little bit earlier, what it was they should do. Friends, Peter wanted them to be saved. I mean, Paul wanted people to be saved. They love people. But let, wait, listen, friends. We have been so been duped in our culture into saying and believing you can never say anything that's offensive. Let me assure you, if you study the Bible, almost every time any of the apostles ever opened their mouth, they were offensive. What's the difference? They told the truth. They told the truth. Friends, it is my sins that put Jesus Christ on the cross. I am a sinner. Thank God that somebody loved me enough to tell me that I'm actually a sinner because, friends, that's the fact of the matter. And if it had not been for Jesus Christ, I'd bust hell wide open. And if somebody hadn't told me the truth that Jesus Christ had died for my sins and rose from the grave, and that if I didn't put my faith and trust in him, there was no hope for me because I was going to get just what I deserve. Thank God that somebody loved me enough to tell me the truth, friends. If we really want to love this world, we're going to have to start telling them the truth. There's nothing wrong with the truth. Peter simply told them the truth. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory and you hanged him on a cross and you killed him. That is not a message of hate because he turned right around to say God brought him out of the grave and that if you'll just turn from your sins and believe in him, God will save you. That's why he was on the cross. It was God's plan, not yours. Friends, we have got to be ready to proclaim the gospel boldly, but the world will not like a bold proclamation of the truth. All you got to do is turn on the news and the TV and find out what the world likes today. And friends, there's nothing true on TV anymore, hardly. Friend, it's nothing but a sack of lies. It's just something all this world's doing is entertaining people until they can get them to hell. Friends, unless we wake up and start spreading the gospel, woe be unto us. 
because, friends, we got a good word out there. They're upset because of the fulfillment of Scripture, and I won't go into a great deal of time about this, but you can look it up yourself. Friends, the early church linked Scripture with what Jesus Christ was doing. Peter said in his first sermon, according to the prophet Joel, and then he linked it to what David had said, and then he linked it to what Moses had said in Acts 3.22. It says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear the prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. The apostles said all the Old Testament validates Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ validates all the Old Testament. And friends, this world hates when we hold up this book. And say, this is not just a book of history. They don't care about that. I got an atheist friend. He thinks this is a great book, but he don't think it's the book. Friends, this is the book. It's the only book that God has written. I I don't know why more Christians are interested in it. There's nothing. This is the only thing that is in the infallible word of God. This is the greatest truth you can find in the world, friends. If you understood the value of this book, I wouldn't have to tell you to turn off your TV. You would be in it every day. And the world hates when... The church stands up and says, this is the word of God. They hate it in that day, and they'll hate it in this day. And they're upset because it's an exclusive message. Look in 4.12, a scripture we know very well, or most of you if you've been in the church any length of time. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I'm telling you, this world doesn't mind you saying that it's okay, let's tolerate all the religions, the Buddha and the Muhammad, whatever you want to believe in, or if you don't want to believe in anything, everything's fine. But when a Christian rises up and says, the Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He is the only way to be saved. There is no other way other than Jesus Christ. The world will hate you for it. Did not Jesus say you will be persecuted by this world because you have believed in me? And they persecuted me, and they're going to persecute you. Maybe we're not, the reason we're not persecuted more anymore than we are today is because we're not proclaiming enough. We're not creating enough waves. We're not going against the flow, friends. We're going with the flow. Repentance, we've got to turn around and go against the flow. We have got to get the word out. That Jesus Christ saves. So the world is still upset because of these things. The power in the name of Jesus. Salvation in the name of Jesus. Bold proclamation of the truth. The Bible presented as the word of God. And an exclusive message of salvation. Friends, I'm telling you, you will not tell any of those points on any street corner in America today without people coming against you in some way. You will not go back into your schools. You will not go back into your workforce. You will not go back into the United States of America in any way, shape, form, or fashion, no matter where you speak out and proclaim those five things without people coming against you and saying you are wrong and you need to be quiet. The problem is we've been being quiet. We've been listening to people telling us to be quiet. Now I want to look at something in the second part of this. What is it that kept them sharing, but it keeps us from sharing? 
Because it seems that they didn't slow down, but it seems that we, the world has told us, stop spreading this message, and it just appears that for the most part, we've listened to the world. We, we've just, we're not as excited about sharing the gospel as the first century church was. We're not as diligent. Well, one, I believe they were confident. Look in 4.13. I believe the Bible gives us some things. I'm not just pulling these out of thin air or something, I think. I believe the Bible, right here in the book of Acts, gives us three solid reasons why they did not stop sharing the gospel. And I believe it is the lack of these things that is a great hindrance to us being confident and continuing to share the gospel. 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They were bold. In Acts 5.28 and 29. I want you to look at the confidence and the boldness of these men. Acts 5, 28 and 29, the Word of God says, Saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. I want you to listen to this next statement very closely. The Sanhedrin. I want, go back and study the text for yourself. The Sanhedrin, which is the ruling council in Israel, never called into question the apostles' main point, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had bought off guards earlier, this is in the Gospels, and told them to tell the Roman leaders that someone had stolen the body. If they could have produced a body, if they could have disproved the resurrection, then it would have all ended. They could not deny the resurrection. All they could do was try to keep the apostles quiet. They couldn't even do that because the apostles could not keep quiet about the good news. The number one priority of Satan is to keep us from spreading the name of Jesus Christ so that men and women and boys and girls might be saved. Friend, they can't refute it. If they could have produced a body, if they could have done anything to stop it. Friends, these people killed Jesus Christ, hung him on a cross. It was God's plan. But I mean, they were, they were part of carrying that out. They despised people speaking of the resurrection. They despised people calling Jesus Christ the Messiah. If they could have done anything, all they would have had to done in the first century, all these guys would have had to done is find that body. All they would have had to done, they said, well, we can't find the body. We'll keep these guys quiet. They couldn't keep them quiet. All we have to do to win is not keep quiet. Do you want to keep quiet anymore? Are you ready to let the world know that Jesus Christ is the Redeemer? Are you ready to proclaim to the world? It's easy in here on Sunday mornings. To come in here with fellow Christians and say, we love you. And we're supposed to do that. And let me tell you, friends, it's supposed to be easier. <laughs> That's why you need to come here, because you need to get your battery charged. You need to come here with like-minded brothers and sisters that can lift you up, because you're going to go out there Monday through Saturday, and the world is going to whip on you. 
But you've got to keep being bold. We have got to keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why we are here. And the only thing the devil wants to do is to stop us from spreading it. And all we have got to do is not stop spreading it. Just keep on talking of the glorious things that God has done for us. So they were confident. The reason they kept sharing is because they were confident of the message and they were more interested in pleasing God than pleasing men. I'm not going to spend time on this next point because I'm going to hurry up and finish up. But I'm not going to elaborate on this, but I think it's very important. I really, really call into question our confidence in who Jesus Christ says He is. The church no longer lives like he really is who he says he is. I'm not saying that to be ugly, but we just don't live like it. You can't get people in church. You can't get people to read their Bible. You can't get people to uh, give to the mission of the gospel. I mean, it's just like it's not important. Coming to church is not important. Reading your Bible is not important. Giving to to get the gospel out. And so the church, to, to do God's work, it's not important. I mean, we just, uh, we're not going to share. We're scared. We're scared of what people will think. More we're interested in pleasing men than pleasing God. We are just not confident of the message. If we were confident in the message, friend, your treasure's going to go where your heart, your heart's going to go where your treasure's at. If we were confident in the message, we would, our, our church people would finance it. They'd be here. They'd be witnessing I'm just afraid we really don't believe what we say we believe. And I'm not trying to be an ugly, but I'm just saying the evidence is not there. We don't live like we actually believe it. How confident are you in the message of Jesus? I believe it will show in your actions. And these people showed that they were confident. Pray that God will restore our confidence. Next, they had spent time with Jesus. In Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So many people say today, I don't share the gospel because I don't know how to share the gospel and I, don't, I might get confused and, and I don't know what to do and uh, all these litany of excuses. Friends, that's what they are. They're excuses. God said do it. I mean, we love to read the stories in the Old Testament and say, boy, look at Joshua and Caleb. I would have been with those guys. I would have said, God said we can take it. We can take it. I wouldn't have been with the rest of Israel. Friends, we live just like we'd have been with the rest of Israel dying in the wilderness. God said, go witness. I'll be with you. And we don't listen. We're no different. If you want to be a Joshua and a Caleb or like a Moses or like a David, you're going to have to get with believing God. And if you're going to believe God, you'll have to understand the only reason he left us here was to spread the gospel. And it's true, the devil can do nothing about the truth of the gospel. The only thing he can do is try to get us to shut up. The question is, are we going to shut up? Are we going to keep on spreading the gospel? We've got to be confident of the message, and we have to spend time with Jesus. I believe this is, see, the apostles' confidence came from the time they spent with Jesus and the believing of the resurrection. And I just know what the Bible reading statistics are in this church. I know what the attendance records is like. I look at them. Friends, people are not interested with meeting in the people of God anymore. 
People are not spending time with Jesus. You're not going to be confident in the message. You're not going to share without confidence. And you're not going to be confident in something that you don't get involved in. You're going to have to pick up the Word of God and spend time with Jesus. Quickly, the next one. They prayed for boldness. Acts 4.29 says, And now, Lord, behold, this is after they were threatened and released, Behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. And when they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. James says you pray and you don't receive because you ask amiss, because you ask that you might receive it for your own friends. Even to pray that the church might grow for your own glory is wrong. You pray that Jesus Christ might be glorified. You pray that God might be glorified. Friends, this is God's work. He's doing this work. He's saving these people. He's building this body. He's establishing His kingdom. Friend, we need to pray that God might be glorified, that we would receive boldness, that we would keep spreading the Word of God. And we need to ask that we not, might receive boldness, that God might be glorified in what the church is doing. I won't go into these last points, but they suffered for His name. They rejoiced. And I want you to see that they continued. Acts 4, 18 and 20 said, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Look in Acts chapter 5, 18 and 21. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go and stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. Acts 5.42 Here's the very opposite of what the devil was trying to do, that it spread no further. Acts 5.42, this, is, this should be our motto. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's the goal, friends. That's the goal. When we come here to worship, our goal is to teach and preach Jesus Christ. When we go out from house to house and in our workplace and where we live and wherever God sends us, we do not need to cease to teach and to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our goal. The enemy's goal is that this would spread no further among the people. And God has given us commission to take it into all the nations. And it is our goal that we might not cease to teach and preach Jesus Christ wherever we may go. Friends, we're going to need confidence in our message. We're going to need to be spending time with Jesus Christ. And we're going to need to pray for boldness. Let's stand. As our men come down front, The piano starts to...